0: It's time for the powermazoo.com podcast. With interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Dave DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the powermazoo.com podcast. Probably the last one of the football season because next Thursday is Thanksgiving. And frankly, I'm not dedicated enough to come in and record a podcast on Thanksgiving Day in advance of the Arkansas game. So we are going to preview Tennessee today with... Uh, Paul Fortenberry from VolQuest.com. And, Paul, how you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing fantastic, Gabe. What about you?
0: Well, good. I like fantastic. Uh, right now, as we record this, Missouri and Xavier are tied at 33 in basketball down in Orlando. So, got an eye on that, but let's talk a little bit of football. And first things first, I mean, for all what seems like turmoil and injuries and everything uh, down in Knoxville, there's a pretty decent chance come 2.30 on Saturday afternoon that Tennessee's playing for a spot in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, isn't that wild? I mean, you, you think kind of how up and down the season has been. You know, Tennessee wins its first five games and, and is in the top ten in the country for the first time in in a long while. And, you know, Knoxville is, is celebrating and so excited. And then they go on that three-game losing streak. And, um, you know, I, I think that the South Carolina game obviously – soured so much for vol fans when if they win that game it's you know it's, it's theirs to lose the east and now tennessee is you know worried whether or not they can get in I and mean, it all depends on whether or not florida loses to lsu and and you know i think most people believe that lsu wins that game but um, you know i don't think anyone would say it's you know unfathomable if florida pulled something out down in baton rouge but again you'd like their chance now that means tennessee has to take care of business and that means this game against Missouri uh, counts for a lot, and so does next week against Vanderbilt. But Tennessee has to take care of itself. They they really can't, you know, watch the scoreboard. They they, they have to be focused on Missouri because Tennessee, frankly, right now with all the injuries, just isn't good enough to walk in and beat a, a three and seven Missouri team.
0: Now I know that uh, that Butch Jones was fairly unhappy the question was even asked, but I think it's a fair question, and you kind of touched on it. Do you think, I mean, will he do something to like shield his players from even knowing the score of that Florida game when they they take the field on Saturday afternoon? Because that game's not going to be over, but we ought to have a pretty good idea who's going to win by kickoff. So does Tennessee's approach, do you think it, it even subconsciously changes based on either they have a chance or they don't have a chance to go to the SEC title game?
1: Yeah, I think it will change. I don't know how big of a change it'll be. I mean, Gabe, you know how these teams are. I mean, they're they're locked in a hotel room and and then they, you know are swept off in a bus towards the towards the stadium well before the game. So you know, Tennessee kicks off at three thirty Eastern. Tennessee will leave its hotel before um, Florida and lSU begin playing at one o'clock. So you know they, they won't know that score. and they you know they're they're ushered into the stadium after going on the long long vol walk at about two hours and fifteen minutes before the game. so, now, they'll be going through their vol walk at 115. So, you know, knowing a TV game these days is probably, what, four minutes into a football game right. after the intro and, a, and, a, and their first couple TV timeouts. So, I don't think so that they'll know that score. I'm sure that they'll make sure that Tennessee's PA announcer doesn't give any scores of interest while the game is going on. Or, you know, if there's a blowout on hand and it's in the fourth quarter or something and Tennessee's up by three touchdowns and, and they know – that florida um has lost you know i would not be shocked at all if they put something up about it but if it's a close game or anything i don't imagine them you know putting it on the scoreboard there's a tennessee does a thing where there's running scores throughout the game on the scoreboard and i i bet you won't be finding the lsu florida game score up there at all until the fourth quarter if everything's in hand for the falls
0: yeah now let's talk a little bit about this tennessee team and You know, it's kind of funny. I remember when uh, Tennessee was here in 2013 thinking that that Josh Dobbs could turn into a pretty good player. And there's a lot of guys in college who I sit here and think, God, how are they still in college? And then there's a guy like Josh Dobbs. It's his senior day. It doesn't seem to me like he's been at Tennessee four years. Maybe that's because it was kind of interrupted and he hasn't been the starter that whole time. But I was kind of surprised that he didn't have another year left.
1: Yeah, you know, he started those last, uh, I think it was three or four games his freshman year um, after two other quarterbacks were injured, and then the same thing happened the next year when he got the start at the South Carolina game and and really willed them to, to victory and, and got them to bowl eligibility, even though they did lose that one um, in, in 2014 at home to Missouri which Josh Dobbs also started. So he's 1-2 and two against Mizzou, which is uh, an interesting little fact. Uh, he needs to win this weekend to, to even that record up. So, um, you know, I, I certainly think that, um, you know, that that he's a guy that has played a lot of football. He's played – essentially started almost three seasons, if you combine all of it. But but really he started – I mean, you know, you can't really count his freshman year. They were a terrible football team all around them. And they, he had hardly any – weapons to speak of um, and really these last two years he's come into his own and where the offense has really you know utilized him as well as it could and he has some playmakers and um, you know that you know he and Drew Locke are tied for the SEC lead and touchdown passes that's certainly something new he only had 15 touchdown passes last year so he's he's gonna get done more through the air now and and obviously still doing it on the ground so he's emerged and has grown each year as a playmaker, and I think they have a really explosive offense right now.
0: Yeah, Dobbs strikes me as a guy, and you tell me if this is incorrect, but on any given Saturday, he is capable of being Tennessee's best player or the opposition's best player. I I mean, explosive offense, hes obviously can put up a ton of points. He also leads the SEC in interceptions. Is he one of these guys that kind of lives on the edge and he's going to give the other team a chance in most games at some point?
1: Yeah, you know, it's weird. I, I wouldn't necessarily,
0: necessarily call it living on the edge.
1: He just makes some really bad decisions sometimes. Like in South Carolina, he threw it into just, I mean, quadruple coverage, and you're thinking, what in the world did he see there? I mean, there's clearly four South Carolina defensive players in the area. Um, and, it, you know, i I don't want to say that, I mean, the turnovers are certainly an issue, but I wouldn't call it living on the edge. It's just making mistakes that you wouldn't think a senior would be making, especially a guy that only threw five interceptions last year. Now, they are being more aggressive downfield, but that's not where his interceptions have come either. It's not like he's thrown up a bunch of 50-50 balls and teams have made bad plays. He's he's thrown bad interceptions when he should have just thrown the ball away. Mm -hmm. And and that's when you're thinking, you know, you hear about how smart he is, and the guy is super intelligent. I mean, he's going to be a... Um, he's going to build plane engines one day. Um, But you just kind of wonder, what was he thinking in those systems? So, yeah, at times, you know, he'll, he'll let teams stay in games when they should be blowing them out. But then others, all of a sudden you turn around and Tennessee scored on three out of four possessions and they popped 21 points in eight minutes. So it's certainly a Jekyll and Hyde effect for sure.
0: All right, now, elsewhere on that offense, I mean, uh, Dobbs is obviously the guy that makes it go, but plenty made of Jalen Hurd transferring. But uh, I I think Tennessee now is actually playing their best running back in in Kamara. I mean, how good's this kid?
1: He's really good. He's really explosive. He's really dynamic. Um, He's a one-cut-and-go guy. He gets up the field really quick. And with both Alvin Kamara and John Kelly, they just bring a, a level of explosiveness that they weren't having when they used Jalen Hurd. You know, twenty-five times a game. It's it's interesting. Jalen is most effective when you just kind of let him be the battering ram. But for that to happen, you know, he needs twenty-five carries. But the reality is that was taking away from Alvin Kamara, and they just never seemed to just say, "Hey, Jalen, here's your 15. Alvin's here, your fifth. Here, your fifteen. It was always Jalen twenty-two and Alvin eight. I mean, there were some games he had three carries this year, and that's just unacceptable. Especially when you look back at it. So, you know, he's been explosive when given his chance. He, he's been fantastic in the passing game as well. Um, and and then you throw in John Kelly, who is, man, as tough a runner as as we've seen and, and has some explosiveness about him too. This is a, you know, despite losing Jalen Hurd, I would argue that this running attack is just as efficient. The one place they do miss him, um, you know, maybe in those short yardage situations. But, but at the same time, the big play factor is 10 times what it was when Jalen Hurd was touching the ball.
0: Uh, talking to Paul Fortenberry, com. that's the Tennessee side on the Rivals Network. One more on the offense for you, Paul, and I, I don't know how much you've watched Missouri, but I'm interested in what the talk is from Tennessee's coaches and offensive players. Uh, Barry Odom's retaken over the defensive play calling. They've gone back to last year's scheme. Many of us wondering why they ever went away from it, but – now in the last two weeks, and look, I know it's South Carolina and Vanderbilt, but they've got 18 tackles for a loss. They had six sacks against Vandy. Charles Harris has more sacks than he had last year. Uh, this looks to me like a Missouri defense that's maybe getting back a little bit closer to what it was last year. What What are the Tennessee uh, players and coaches saying about Missouri's defense?
1: You know, I think they respect Missouri's defense. I really do. But um, I think they also see some vulnerabilities. You know, uh, it's interesting – you, know, you you look at it, and, and who would you say the best offense Missouri has played? Maybe LSU, um,
0: um, Kentucky, maybe.
1: Yeah, and that's and they, but you know, Kentucky—they're good offense, but I don't know that Missouri's seen an offense right. that is explosive as Tennessee. That's what no was question. interesting when looking at their schedule—is kind of you know. But besides LSU, I don't, I don't know that they. – I mean, yeah, West Virginia, but yeah. goodness gracious, the Big Twelve is such a cupcake. I, I don't know that they've played a great team. And so not that Tennessee is great, but they have the, you know, they beat Florida, they beat Georgia. They have the ability to be good teams. They're they, great
0: on offense. I think.
1: Yeah. And so that's what was kind of surprising was that Mizzou has given up some points to some, you know, some good offenses, but none that I would say was great. Now you do throw in the fact that they have been different these last couple of weeks. And you have to be aware of Charles Harris and, and Tennessee could be without chance. Hall, the starting right tackle, um, who missed last week's game and Dylan Wiseman, their center, could be out as well. So they could be two, down two offensive linemen. Um, but but Tennessee uh, looked good last week on the on the line of scrimmage against Kentucky w- with some replacements. So and they've played a lot of offensive linemen this year too. There's been a lot of injuries everywhere on Tennessee's roster. So that's at least there. It's beneficial in the term that a lot of guys have played. But you know I, I don't sense any worry. I do think that Tennessee will come out aggressive like they were against Kentucky and try and look to score early uh, because I think they fear Missouri's offense more than their defense. So they will they may feel like they have to score, you know, 35, 40 points to pull this one out.
0: Yeah, I, I'm pretty interested. That's the matchup, Missouri's offense against Tennessee's defense. I mean, I, I don't know. Missouri's offense has been so up and down. Uh, they've looked good at times, looked absolutely as bad as they did last year at times. But, you know what they've got is Demaryius Crockett, a freshman running back, who is the best thing they've got on offense, and yet an offense that seems to want to make us all believe that what they're really good at is throwing the football all over. Tennessee's number one hundred in the country in run defense. That's where Missouri has to has to get something done in this game, isn't it? With Crockett on the ground.
1: Well, it is. But then you look at Missouri's game plan sometimes, and you're wondering why in the world is yep. Drew Locke throwing it as much as he's throwing it. That's what I can't. We've get. all wondered that. I look at some of these stats and just wonder if they just have an identity crisis. And the two biggest questions I have when looking at Missouri is one, why in the world did Arkansas not recruit DeMaria Crockett? I mean, I right. am dumbfounded by that. And then two, why does his own team not use him more? I mean, this kid looks like a really good player. He's big. He can he can go with a workload. He's better than Ish Witter. And, and you're kind of shocked that they didn't use him earlier in the year. But at the same time yeah i do think that they I, I think what missouri's issue is i do think they have talented receivers i think they've fallen in love with them a little too much um I, i'm a huge fan of johnson johnson you know i got to see him a lot in high school he's from memphis um i argued that tennessee should have taken him shoot i think tennessee should have two of missouri's starters on offense paul adams and and, and johnson johnson on their roster uh, but i don't make those decisions obviously but um Uh, You know, I I, I respect Missouri's offense, but two big things were just crazy to me as I kind of dug into this, Gabe. Missouri against Power 5 teams is averaging 418 yards, or 413, right around there. But they aren't even averaging 20 points per game. Yeah, they they
0: make a lot of mistakes. And, and, and,
1: And it's, what, in the red zone, they're 123rd in the country out of 128 teams. So it seems that they just shoot themselves in the foot. But, look, Tennessee is vulnerable. Um, especially in the run game, and and you'd think that they'd want to go with the Crockett. Tennessee got two starting cornerbacks back uh, last week in Cam Sutton, Malik Foreman. Both of those guys had been out for a while, and and for Tennessee to get them back, you'd think that they'd even uh, be even better in pass coverage now moving forward. So you would think. I mean, we all expect you know DeMaria Crockett to get 25 carries this week, but again, like you said, there's no telling how many times they feel like they want to throw around to those
0: receivers. Yeah, uh, well, Paul, you would fit right in on our message board, man. People have been asking that all year <laughs> long. Uh, and, and you mentioned uh, Adams and Jonathan Johnson. I, I can't speak for Barry Odom, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know, he might trade those guys to Tennessee for Derek Barnett, straight up, who Missouri was was second on, according to a lot of people. So,
1: yeah, Derek Barnett has been incredible. Thirty sacks in his career now. I mean, he's two away from breaking Reggie or two away from tying Reggie White's um, all time school. You know, sacks record thirty-two. If, if he gets three, um, at least in the next three games, maybe four if they make the SEC championship, he'll, he'll have that record to himself. And um, Gabe, he's awesome. He, I, I've seen him absolutely. I mean, in the Georgia game, he was a force in the second half. Um, against Florida, he really turned it on and, and created a ton of havoc. Um, even though he didn't get a sack against Ohio, um, he, he pressured so he, I mean, he changes so many games. Mm-hmm. Kentucky at times, it was insane. Gabe, Kentucky at times was consistently triple-teaming him. Um, and I mean, you look at De- uh, Corey Vereen, the end on the opposite side, the reason he's having so su- much success lately is because, uh, you know, double-teams haven't been effective. They're, they're going double team and then chipping uh, Derek Barnett. I mean, wow. this guy's a one-man wrecking crew right now. Now, the one thing I do worry about, look, Mizzou likes to get it out of their hands early, and some football people that are smarter than me reminded me, look, Missouri sets up their offensive line in those really wide sets and they want to push your defensive ends up the field. And if your defensive end doesn't have a good spin move, it's really tough to get to the quarterback. And we'll see if Derek Barnett has a spin move in his arsenal um, this week. But I think that'll be interesting, what what Missouri gives up the least amount of sacks in the SEC, and that's wild for a team that throws it as much as they do. But I think that speaks volumes of – how their offensive line
0: plays, too. At one point, they they had given up the few sacks and tackles for loss in the country. I don't know if that's still true, but it is very much scheme-driven. I mean, look, this offensive line's been better than than any of us expected it to be, but it's still somewhat a product of the scheme they run and, and Drew Locke getting rid of the ball so quickly. Uh, all right, you mentioned if they go to the SEC title game, and we were talking about that. And I, I'm going to ask something that I – I bet has come up on your message board because I know it came up on ours in 2014 when Alabama was waiting. And this Alabama team I think is better than that one. Would it be the worst thing in the world for Tennessee if Florida went ahead and won so Tennessee doesn't go take what most assume, no matter who shows up, is going to be a beating from Alabama?
1: You know, I just don't. It's been a question.
0: Yeah, I'm not on that train of thought. I, I, I mean, generally I, agree; it's better to go and say you win. Uh, but I do kind of understand the logic.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I get it too. But who thought Iowa was going to beat Michigan on Saturday?
0: I mean, that, that's right. what yeah. this, go take this your shot.
1: crazy world of college football. And I'm look if Tennessee gets it, and look, Alabama's going to win that game. We all would agree with that. But i I'm but, college football is crazy. College football is the craziest sport. Um, just because literally on any given night the you know the ball could bounce the wrong way and and it and it could change everything momentum is is so big for these 20 21 year old kids and you know I I totally get the fact that do you want to go get drubbed again on CBS like you did a couple of months ago heck no you don't but at the same time what happens if uh, the freshman quarterback that has looked great all year finally looks like a freshman and you know Tennessee's a lot healthier than they were against Alabama they had they were starting, or they were playing three freshmen on the offensive line by the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, that's not the same offensive line they have out there now. They have those two cornerbacks back. Um, and, but but yeah, I mean, y- you want the shot. And look, people have asked on our board too. You know, with bowl implications, what happens? Well, if Tennessee goes nine and three and doesn't get to the SEC championship, there's a there's an outside chance they slip to like the Belk Bowl or Music City Bowl. But if you make it to the SEC championship game, you don't slip by the Citrus Bowl down right. in Florida. Now I do think Tennessee would get in the Florida Bowl at 9-3, and three, especially depending on what happens with maybe Texas A&M down the stretch and Auburn down the stretch and LSU. Um, just depending on how things work out, they could certainly even make it better than the than the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. But at the very least, you go 9-4 and four and you make it to the Citrus Bowl and you play a Big Ten team. And if it's not someone named Ohio State or Michigan, you'd have to feel pretty good about your chances, I think.
0: Well, and the interesting thing about that possible SEC title game to me is Alabama may be playing a scrimmage that it doesn't have to win. I mean, if Alabama's beaten Auburn, well, it doesn't matter what Alabama does in that game. They're going to make the playoff, which, Paul, I know you, you follow the country as as closely as I do. I mean, you're yeah, you're a Tennessee guy and all that, but you pay attention. So I want to know, what, what was your top four? Do you think they got it right?
1: Um, you know, I, I would ha- I would have based on what I've seen, and this isn't based on who what what's fair and what's not fair. I I would go, Bama, Michigan, still despite the loss, Ohio State, and, and Clemson. That would be mine in order. Um, so
0: they got the right I, four I think, teams. Yeah,
1: I think they did. I, I think Michigan beats Ohio State, um, even though it's at Ohio State. I, I think that the Harbaugh rallies everyone. And I, I like their scheme. I like their defensive players um, a little bit better than Ohio State's. But uh, you know, but one of those teams are going to get eliminated. That's what's more yeah. interested to me is that who is that next team? Is it Louisville? Um, does Washington get back in there? Who is that next? Who, who's that fifth team that's going to make? It? I think we all believe that it's going to be Clemson, Alabama, one of the, those two Big Ten teams. But then the question becomes, who is that last team? And um, that's that's frankly what's really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I I say it's either Washington or the winner between Penn State and Wisconsin because I think Houston beats Louisville tonight.
1: Oh, now that so. could be – I mean, that would be wild. So you think maybe a, a, a two-loss Wisconsin or, or Penn State gets in over Washington?
0: Because I think Washington could lose again. Uh, I mean, they got Washington State, saying, and the championship they got game, Colorado, you know. they they lose a game, then I think that Big Ten champ is in, especially if it's Penn State and Penn State's beaten Ohio State and Ohio State's already yeah. in. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I I like uh, I, I like the last two or three weeks. I also think the committee is insanely stupid for doing these rankings every week because while it yeah. generates buzz, they just set themselves up to get insulted every week.
1: Oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting, Gabe. When do we go to eight teams? When does that happen?
0: Um, The first time, and it can't happen now, but I've rooted for this to happen for two or three years because it would give us eight teams. The first time the SEC title game ends up keeping somebody out. I mean, let's say just Mm. for the hell of it that Alabama loses to Auburn and then Tennessee or Florida beats Alabama in the SEC title game and the SEC doesn't have a team in the playoff. The first time that happens, we're going to eight. I mean, the the yeah. outrage of the SEC. I, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when Missouri had lost to Indiana, and they're going to play Alabama in the SEC title game, and everybody's saying, "Well, I don't." If Missouri wins, they still can't get in. But if Alabama had lost, they wouldn't have gotten in either. So you know, it 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 had a chance to happen then. It doesn't have much of a chance to happen this year. But I'm just waiting for that first time the SEC doesn't get somebody in the playoff.
1: No, I can. I mean, yeah, that would be. Uh that could be what shakes up the system. I I mean, I, I'm with you. I think these last three weeks of the season are really compelling. And, you know, if Tennessee doesn't lose to to South Carolina, they're right in that hunt. I mean, it it was wild that, you know, they're ranked 19th in the playoff poll and not ranked in either the coaches or the AP, which is pretty stunning. But I mean, that tells you if they don't lose to South Carolina, they're one of those teams kind of with the ability, especially if they were to somehow beat Alabama in the championship game, that, that would possibly be your, your fourth team in this scenario. I mean, that, that's what's crazy right now.
0: Yeah, no doubt it's, about it.
1: And that's why I think most Tennessee fans are most frustrated is you, you go to South Carolina with everything on the line and, and maybe even more than you thought was on the line when you were in Columbia now, and you look back on this season and say, man. and, and But there's another asterisk, too. Is Look, if, if I told you Tennessee was going to be without Jalen reeves Maven. Uh, for the whole, almost the whole season, Cam Sutton for essentially seven games, Darren Kirkland Jr. Uh, for five games. They lost three of their top four defensive tackles. Jalen Hurd doesn't play essentially the final half of the season. Preston Williams, who led the team in receiving in the first game, um, quits midway through the season. And, you know, I could go on and on about all the other injuries. They're playing their fourth and fifth string linebackers um, against Alabama. And if all that happens and Tennessee wins out, you take nine and three and run with it to the bank, yeah. and and you're so excited. But but you know, context is one thing and reality is another. When when you screw up at South Carolina, that's the yeah. unfortunate part of it.
0: Well, you want real nuclear winner on your message board. Have uh, have LSU win Saturday, Missouri drill or Tennessee drill Missouri, and then have them go lose the SEC title game at Vanderbilt. I wouldn't want to be wouldn't want to be in Knoxville if that happen but uh yeah me either Gabe I would yeah, move yeah we'll finish up uh, get you out of here just just two quick ones I mean I you know I think Tennessee scores plenty of points and and gets the job done on Saturday uh it, you expect Tennessee probably wins this game I, I mean I'd say by two to three touchdowns
1: yeah that's uh you know I'm putting my prediction uh 40 to 20 Tennessee I just uh, you know I don't know if Mizzou fans will read any of our stuff but I don't know if they'll Mizzou, read any of mine at this point Paul. <laughs> my, my description of Mizzou was meh they, you know yeah. that they, they they can do some things but then they just shoot themselves in the foot time after time it, it just is kind of like well that that's kind of who you are same thing with Tennessee that's kind of who they are right now they're going to turn the they'll turn the ball over some and but they'll score some. But then I bet, like I told you, we texted earlier this week. I said, Demari Crockett might have his career game as, a, as yeah. a freshman right this week because Tennessee's playing one defensive tackle and four defensive ends on the interior right now. And so, but that's what I think ends up happening. Tennessee just is able to score more than Missouri, and Missouri kind of stalls at a couple of different times throughout the day. But I still think they'll put up some yards for sure.
0: Yeah. And then last one for you Alabama faces who in Atlanta? Man, I'll
1: man, I'll say Tennessee, but being, man, you got to remember, I started Lane Kiffin's this is, for only a year, so all I've seen is just the craziest things. The most unexpected things have become expected. So I, I think it's Tennessee. I think LSU wins, but like, you know, it's a coin toss. I don't know. I mean, for all you, you said it. Tennessee could end up losing to Vanderbilt next weekend. That's not a gimme at all. Mm-hmm. So I think it's Tennessee, but. I
0: don't have a ton of confidence in that for sure. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Paul, looking forward to seeing you guys on uh, Saturday down in Knoxville. All right. We'll see you, Gabe. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for taking the time. Paul Fortenberry, com. Those guys do a great job covering Tennessee. If you do want to kind of get that perspective on the matchup, check out their site. Um, take a look at it. Right now, Missouri has scored the first four points in the second half, leads Xavier 42-36. By the time any of you listen to this, that game will likely be over. But kind of wanted to update you on that. I'm going to put this together, watch the end of that game, and we'll talk a little hoops on the message board. Again, no podcast next week because I am going to spend Thanksgiving with my family, encourage all you guys to do the same. So uh, won't be podcasting before Arkansas, but I leave for Knoxville Friday afternoon, and we will uh, talk to you then.